When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. The debate over E15 has renewable fuels advocates busy in Washington, D.C. E15, which is gasoline that contains roughly 15% ethanol, has not been approved for year-round sale. Biofuel advocates say it's because of an outdated policy that doesn't allow summer sales. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. Wisconsin is an ethanol-producing state, and ethanol is made from corn. Ethanol advocacy group Growth Energy is asking for a change to allow year-round or summer sales of E15. Chris Bliley is the Senior Vice President of Regulatory Affairs for Growth Energy, and he gives me more details on what they're asking of the Environmental Protection Agency. Right now, we are trying to get summer sales of E15 to allow year-round sale of E15. Last year, we saw the Biden administration come through, and we saw savings of up to 16 cents. We saw average savings of 16 cents per gallon, up to a dollar in some locations, and we really need to secure that for this summer so that retailers can continue to sell this summer as they've done all year. Yeah, we've gotten lucky over the over the past couple of years where that was allowed. Either it was COVID-related or inflation-related. Uh, what's your argument this year? Well, I think a lot of the, the same situation exists. We still have tight supplies in the gasoline market. We still have, while prices aren't quite as high as they were last summer, they're still elevated. In fact, I think I just saw today that gasoline prices are up 22 cents a gallon just over the last month. And so when you have a fuel that on average saves 16 cents less per gallon, you know, we saw 50, 75 a dollar per gallon savings last year, we really need that available to consumers. Ultimately, if we had E15 nationwide, it's $20 billion in consumer savings. So that's real money every time somebody fills up. Plus, you get the benefits of you know, to, to the rural economy, uh, additional sales of ethanol, additional sales of corn, providing jobs. Uh, it's really, really important that we be able to sell E15 this year. Is E15 a clean fuel? Oh, absolutely. I, so reduces greenhouse gas emissions. If we adopted E15 nationally, uh, it's the equivalent of nearly 18 million tons of car- greenhouse gas emissions off the road. Or 4 million cars. Imagine that, taking 4 million cars off the road simply by switching to E15. So if it sounds like such a a win-win-win, then why isn't this something that's year-round? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great question. I mean, unfortunately, we do have critics out there, particularly in the oil industry, who don't want to lose market share to higher ethanol blends like E15. We continue to make a strong case to the administration, and you know we think we've, we're, we're making the case, and we expect to see something soon on that. But you know we really need to continue to push to make sure that these guys can, really, the retailers and consumers can continue to access this fuel this summer. Now E10 is available year round. What's the difference between the two fuels? It really is an antiquated regulation that goes back, uh, you know, nearly 40 years, to be honest. And it's just at the time nobody. Nobody really thought about ethanol blending even to E10, 10%. And so now E10 is, is really the regular gasoline you see nationwide. But nobody really envisioned E15 at the time. And so the regulation really didn't imagine that. And so going back and trying to fix it has proved very, very difficult. And unfortunately, you know, the oil refiners sued. Uh, there was a rule to fix this permanently. And, uh, you know, on the, the oil industry sued to take it away. And so we're trying to get 
an emergency waiver to allow it this summer, just as we did last summer. But the emergency waiver would be temporary. That's right. It, it would be to get us through this summer, which is really the only period where you can't sell E15 as it stands now. Again, we're, we're, we think we'll get there, but we really got to push and make the case. Now, the reason it's not sold in the summer is because of what is they say is smog potential. Is that right? Can you can you tell me more about what that means? Yeah, it, again, it really has more to do with an outdated regulation because E15 actually lowers ozone-forming potential, believe it or not. It lowers a number of different pollutants. As I said, on greenhouse gas emissions, it's lower in particulate emissions, it's lower on carbon monoxide, and it's lower in those things add up to smog. And so when you're lowering each of those individual pollutants, you're lowering the ability to form smog. And so really, it's a mis- directed argument. E15 is a cleaner fuel than regular gasoline. And so it, it's a clear environmental case that if you allow it, you know, you'll those will be improved air emissions. It would make it more convenient too for gas stations to offer it because they won't have to do all this moving around. Yeah, no, absolutely. So right now, if I'm a fuel retailer and nothing changes, if we don't get the waiver, on May 31st, I will have to remove a fuel that I'm selling to my consumers or, you know, change things around, as you've said. And so there are, you know, hundreds of locations throughout throughout all, throughout all 31 states. I mean, we have 3,000 locations, 31 states. Not all of them. There are some special provisions where people can continue to sell year-round. But predominantly in the Midwest, you would not be able to sell this fuel or some places in the mid-Atlantic. I mean, just the way the regulation works. So you said that a lot of the opposition comes from, quote-unquote, big oil. What about from, like, the environmental side of things who want to move completely away from liquid fuel? Well, I mean, I think there are certainly critics, uh, people who, you know, who don't like to see liquid fuels or they may have criticisms of ethanol. But again, if you look at the science on a life cycle basis, ethanol is nearly a 50% reduction compared to gasoline. E15, obviously in a smaller amount, still lowers greenhouse gas emissions and a number of these different pollutants. And so if you look at the body of science, which continues to improve, it shows these air quality emissions benefits for higher ethanol blends. And so we think it's a great case to make to the public environmental benefits, consumer benefits, benefits to rural America. I mean, it really is a win-win-win. So who do you have to make this argument to? Is it our legislators? Is it the White House? Is it the EPA or USDA? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we're making it to, the, to everyone in the administration, particularly EPA, the White House, USDA, but also legislators as well, because they need to understand what's going to happen in their districts and in their states what happens if this fuel is not, if this waiver doesn't come through, that you may have a lower cost, better air quality fuel choice that may not be available starting on June 1. And so that's really important that they understand that. And, and you know, we, we're making the case to lawmakers and the administration that, again, provide the waiver, continue to allow sale year-round. I want to zoom out a little bit. We spent a majority of this conversation on E15, but I want to talk ethanol in general. With an expanded domestic market, how much more would we be able to sell? How is this going to benefit corn growers and ethanol producers? Well, ultimately, I mean, if you got to an E15 nationwide, you're talking about another six, seven billion gallons of ethanol to two and a half billion bushels of corn. I mean, that is real uptake. And so, again, 
that's economic activity in rural areas, that's job creation, that's better value for corn growers. And so that's why we think higher ethanol blends are a real solution going forward. You got the environmental, you have the cost benefits, but you also have the benefits to farmers in rural America as well. What about even overseas? I mean, Japan just signed on. They want more ethanol from the United States. Can you tell me more about some of the, the trade aspect? Yeah, no, I think ethanol exports have been a real success story the last few years. We've, you know, we're exporting between one and one and a half billion gallons, uh, roughly 10% of our production. There are, there ha- as you said, Japan has been a real great opportunity that has opened up further, um, and they, they can continue to do more work. Um, and certainly we're seeing additional, you know, biofuel standards in India. India is talking about a 20% ethanol blend. You know, we've also seen some concerning things out of Brazil. Uh, you know, that was home to more and more exports. We've seen a little bit more limited while they have access to our market. Uh, Canada, another big success story. I mean, that's our that's our number one export market. They, they just implemented a clean fuel standard. So we expect them to use more and more ethanol. It's a great benefit for Canadian consumers um, and, again, you know, for all North American biofuel producers. All right, Chris, while I have you, anything else top of mind today? Yeah, no, I, I think we hit the main ones. I mean, E15, certainly ethanol in general. I think the other big thing is to keep an eye on the renewable fuel standard. We've got a proposal out there that we have a consent decree. Growth Energy has a consent decree to get that finalized by June 14th. So we want to make sure EPA stays on target with that. And then additionally, uh, the vehicle standards that were just proposed uh, a few days ago. You know, for us as fuel producers, fuels and vehicles act as a system. So if you have a proposal that moves to two-thirds electric vehicles, it's something that we're keeping a close eye on because you can get significant greenhouse gas reductions with higher ethanol blends, not only electric vehicles. So we want to make sure that ultimately this proposal includes biofuel solutions as a path forward. By the renewable fuel standard and EPA meeting its goals, you mean solely increasing the amount of renewable fuel that's blended into gasoline? That's correct. You know, this was a bipartisan law enacted nearly two decades ago that called for increasing amounts of renewable fuels because at the time we were nearly two-thirds dependent on imports from overseas in the in the oil side. And so it's really important that EPA continues to administer that law, do so in a timely basis so that biofuel producers, farmers can continue to make strong investments in this area. Chris Bliley along with us, the Senior Vice President of Regulatory Affairs for Growth Energy. That organization is pushing the Biden administration, including the Environmental Protection Agency, to expand sales and blending requirements for ethanol. Bliley argues that not only does renewable fuel help the environment, and consumers' wallets, but it will boost rural economies such as those in Wisconsin. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.